Uh, before I begin, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Palm Sunday, since it's appropriate. And one of the things is, I'm sure many of you have wondered, why, did they, why were they putting palms down in front of Jesus? And why was the reaction of Jesus really sorrowful? Sorrowful when he said about Jerusalem, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stoneth the prophets. And didn't really recognize the fact that Jesus was the Son of God and was the Messiah. And yet they were laying down palm uh, limbs. Uh, and I've come to research that, and it's interesting, I did not realize it, but a Jewish revolutionary, probably about 75 to 100 years earlier, uh, in taking over Jerusalem against the power that was in then, and had taken it over, when he came into Jerusalem triumphantly, they laid down palms. And so what this was, was a recognition or a hope, more like a hope, that Jesus would be the political expedient answer to taking back Jerusalem from Rome, uh, that Jesus would establish his kingdom in this world. They didn't see that Jesus' kingdom was far broader, far more profound than an earthly kingdom, that it was the kingdom of God that would be established forever. They were looking at an earthly kingdom, which is why once Jesus was crucified, they didn't get it, and they effectively ran the other way. And I just thought it was an interesting insight that you probably aren't going to hear too often about the historical antecedent about putting palms down before Jesus Christ. And so also, uh, as we've been studying the Gospel of John, and certainly as it relates to uh, John chapter 11, we see the incredible faith of Jesus as Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And we see that juxtaposed with the, with the fate of Mary, the faith of Mary and the faith of Martha. And what we see here is that even though Mary and Martha express faith, yet when Jesus is about to take the stone across the tomb, uh, Martha yells, no, don't do that. Don't do that. He's dead for four days. That's a big mistake because his body's been decomposing. Not recognizing that Jesus is the creator of the universe and had the power over death. And yet Jesus makes this incredible statement about believing is seeing. That has really resonated with me these last couple of weeks. Believing is seeing. What it means is that God is telling us that when we pray, when we pray, we have to have faith that as children of God, God hears us. He hears you. You don't have to continually bang on the door. It's not like you have to keep getting your voice louder and louder. He hears you. You're with him. When you pray, God hears you. Now the question is for you to have faith that he hears you and to have the endurance and the patience waiting for the answer because sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no, and sometimes often it's not yet. And so we're going to talk about that today. I thought that would be important. I think it's an important issue as we relate the experience of Jesus and Lazarus and the sisters and the element of faith. And so I'm going to spend today speaking to you about what is faith, how we can develop it, how do we get it, what does it mean, how do we grow it as Christians. And so uh, to me it's very interesting and, and the, the key verse, one of the key verses we're going to look at is Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now, normally, I, I use the, King, the uh, NIV translation of the Bible, the older NIV. But I think that in this particular case, the King James Version 
of the Bible, and Hebrews 11, verse 1, is superior. It's literary. It's high language. And it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? It means that when you have faith, you have, you have an understanding that God is going to answer what you're hoping for. It's not a leap in the dark. It's not a guess. You have a quiet confirmation of the Spirit that what you are asking for is going to be attended to by God. It's the evidence of the things not seen. You have evidence through the Holy Spirit that God is going to answer this request. And so to me, what it is, is God is giving you spiritual vision. 2020 spiritual vision. So that you know that as you traverse this world, as you go through the ups and downs, the vicissitudes of this world, as you're going to have persecution and suffering and sickness and failure, all the things that everybody in this world suffers, that for you, there is a greater purpose in your life. There is a greater purpose. There are no accidents for you. There is an overwhelming plan by the creator of the universe, God himself, to bring you ultimately to the cross and to him, to see him face to face. Now, as you look through this chapter, the faith chapter, chapter 11, uh, there's a few verses here that I want to focus in on and drill down to. First, beginning with verse 8. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Let's understand that. Abraham was in the Ur of the Chaldees, uh, effectively, most likely the area of Iraq. And when he got the call, when God spoke to him, here he is as a pagan in the Ur of the Chaldees, and yet he was a good man, God determined that he would create his people starting with this man. And so he's called out to leave. Imagine that. Leave your family. Leave your friends. Leave every place you know because God has impressed on your heart that he has a better place. <clears throat> By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Amen. I mean, don't you often feel as if you're strangers in a foreign land? I know I do. Seriously, I know I do. I live, live here and as great as America is, there are often times when you come and you, you, know, you, you have to turn television off. You just can't watch it. You can't even read the newspapers. You, you see the whole culture devolving. I know you feel this way. Um, and, and even as we approach through elections and, and you sit there and, and you become depressed. And I want to assure you that God's in control. God's in control, really, honestly. Remember, remember what Jesus said, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar. So if God could say, if God could say at a time when a despicable uh, dictator was in charge of the world, give unto him, meaning submit to him, that we have a greater call, I'm not worried about what God's going to do. I am not worried. God is in control. You know, and I, and I really believe that. So continuing on, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered himself 
he considered him faithful who had made the promise. There it is. Abraham had such faith that he knew that God would not abandon him. He also knew that if God indicated to him that he made a promise that he would have an heir, a child, Abraham would have that child. Now, the mistake that Abraham made is that Abraham determined that he had to do something. He had to do some human element to that. And we know that uh, he, he uh, had a, a relationship with, his, with the handmaiden that his wife Sarah engineered and, and had the child Ishmael. That's what he wanted because he determined that he needed to do that. And we know that Ishmael became the father of the Arabs. And how did that work out? Okay? So you see what happens when we, when we have faith, but then we don't have it all the way. We have it part way. We, need, we kind of think we have to put our human component in it, and it's that human component that, real, that fouls up the soup. And so you see this, but what a great, great uh, iconic leader in terms of faith. And so from this one man, as he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Now, I want you to reflect on what that's saying. They had faith in the promise of God, even though they did not receive the full benefits of the promise. But they knew that God would take care of them. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Amen? Amen. There's the essence of faith. There's the essence of faith. Recognizing that the promises of God are true. The evidence of God's work in your life is true. Even when you don't see it, even when you have a hope for it, even when you have prayed about it, you can rely on the fact that God hears you. This has really resonated with me uh, as I've studied this because I have always been one of those people that uh, when I pray, I often don't believe that the prayer is going to be answered. I know nobody goes through that here. Uh, but I often, even as I'm praying, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving God a way out. I know, Lord, you're not going to probably answer this, but I, I have to say, you know, this is a really hard one, as if raising Lazarus from the dead was an easy one, you know. And, and so, I mean, that is the, what it is is a lack of faith. Even though I'm praying to God, even though I'm acknowledging God, I'm not fully sold in. And so I've had to understand this, that I have to really rethink this uh, and say to God, help my unbelief. And we're going to talk about that. Lord, give me the faith to fully understand that you hear me. And I talked about this with a brother this week uh, who said to me similarly that he'd been praying over and over and over again for, for some of the same people and had come to recognize. He prayed once. God heard it. Now, we pray again. Some of that is our submission to God. And that's okay, but don't think that God hasn't heard you the first time. He hears you. Uh, and that's one of the things that I had to really understand. He hears me. 
And now I have to really recognize that that's the will of his, of, of, for my life. And so you see this, that faith is not a leap in the dark. This is important for you to speak to, to the world. Well, you know, the people in the world will look at you and you go, oh, wow, you, you have such faith. Oh, I wish I could have faith. And the thing is, we are not leaping in the dark. God doesn't say to you, just, just accept what I'm saying without any proof. You look at the Bible, you read the Bible, and as we study scriptures, you see that over and over and over again, God has prophesied and has fulfilled his prophecies. We know that for Jesus alone, there are over 300 prophecies in the Bible that lead to Jesus Christ. 300 times. 300 times God gives specific insights. This will happen. And we see it happening. I was studying the book of Daniel uh, this week. And you know that when Daniel had that vision about the 70 weeks uh, of seven, that we know that he said then the Messiah would come in. And well, there's a, there, there's, it's very clear from theologians that when that prophecy was given and you calculated that 70 weeks of seven, which is 490, 449 uh, uh, years, that when you construct that, it comes to the very week that Jesus came into Jerusalem, even though it was given almost 500 years earlier. Accident? Accident? Please. Come on. I mean, the world doesn't talk about these things. That's why we're not leaping in the dark. We know what we believe in. And so the question now becomes, God uh, has given us faith, and we're going to talk about this. Your faith is a gift from God. Uh, and this is important because you cannot take any pride whatsoever in terms of either the spiritual gifts that you have or in the fact that you have faith because all of it was given to you by God. That's the key to this lesson. The very faith that you have that allowed you to hear the gospel and ultimately come to accept it, that faith in itself was a gift from God. It's amazing that God gave the faith for you to hear him and accept him and to get salvation. And then he pours all the other gifts into you that, that you have. So now turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. Verse 6, we'll start with. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. There it is. And so what's going on? God's given you the faith. It's like a mustard seed. He plants it in you. And now that faith grows over time as we walk with him, as we go through various trials. Yes, sickness. Yes, uh, human separation. Yes, financial difficulties. Yes, persecution. Yes, suffering. The list goes on and on and on. You live in a world that's condemned by sin. You're swimming in a sea of evil. You're surrounded by evil in this world. And so don't think that because you're a Christian, you've got an armor on that's going to make you immune from taking some of these hits. No, you are not. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. 
And so what does it mean? It means this, that God has planted that seed of faith in you, that you know it's not a leap in the dark, so that even when you go through these terrible sufferings that we all go through, uh, and health issues, and so much of it relates to health, that you know that God is perfecting your faith, that your faith is growing, that your faith is strengthening, and that you, as a result of that, are going to be an example to other people. That's what God wants. That's the whole essence of what this is about. It's not just about you. It's about you touching other people to let other people see what does it mean to be a Christian. Can you imagine what it's like when you see a guy like Tom Ryder get up and speak uh, with those kind of words as he's suffering from a terrible form of cancer, recognizing that God holds him in the palm of his hands? Can you imagine what it's like to go to the hospital with him as he gets chemotherapy and to be with other people? who are sitting there with getting chemotherapy. And we have plenty of people in our, our, our group here who have gone through the same thing. And knowing that those people who don't have Jesus Christ have no upside. And you have all the upside in the world. Amen. Because even if you're called home, it'll be the beginning of the greatest adventure of your life. Amen. And in the meantime, God is using you as a poster child to bring other people to faith. That's what this is about. That's what faith is about. That's what God wants. We're not journeying this thing just by ourselves. There's a plan in your life. Let me tell you something. You have to get, get that through your head. There is a plan of your life. God wants you to be his hands and his feet. And he wants you to demonstrate to a lost world what does it mean uh, to have faith. How great is this? And so to me, this is a, a profound lesson that we need to understand. And so for us, Christians are responsible to respond in faith. Uh, and faith means recognizing sound doctrine and putting sound doctrine into sound practice. You read the Bible. You study the Bible. You go to Bible studies. You're in BLG. You learn what God wants. Now you put those lessons into practice. You put it into practice. And what does it mean? It gives you a deep abiding faith. It means that you recognize that God is in your life and you have that trust and confidence in your life. And as you see these other issues that you go through, all it does is it refines your faith. And I'm going to give you a personal testimony in my life. I have never grown spiritually ever by my victories. I'll say it again. I have never grown spiritually by my victories. All my victories in life, all they let me do was to give me a high five. Yeah, baby, give me a high five. You're good, you're smart, let's go through the parade. But it's the losses. It's the defeats. It's the down days. It's the dark days. It's the loss. All those things that the world counts as defeats, when you come back and you step back retrospectively, you look at that, and God has sustained you through this, that you come to realize this is how God is growing your faith. You couldn't believe you would get through something that you went through. You couldn't believe you'd go through that health crisis, and he, and he sustained you. You couldn't believe that you'd go through that personal loss that you went through, and he sustained you. And that's how God grows us. And that's what you see in that verse. And that's why it's, it's so poignant as you understand what, what faith is about. So faith fundamentally is a gift 
from God. You're not going to hear this spoken about too often. More often, it's like we extol the human character. Oh, yeah. It's a giant of faith. Oh, I wish I had the faith of that person. Oh, what great character of that faith. Well, let me assure you something, folks. The same gift of faith that these giants had, God gives to you as well. It is a gift. And I'll prove it to you. Turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. The measure of faith God has given you. So don't ever get to the point where you start lifting yourself up and start privately uh, bragging. Oh, yes, I am a great person of faith. I've, I've been, I, have, I have such incredible Christian character and faith. Recognizing the fact that, no, no, don't ever go there. God gave you that faith. He gave it to you. It's a gift. Uh, and, and it's important for you to know it. Look also, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Actually, we'll start with 8. It's talking about spiritual gifts. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Faith by the same Spirit, meaning it's a gift. And so just as God gives us spiritual gifts, all right, mercy, wisdom, prophecy, all those gifts that God has given the church, even as he has done that, he has given every single one of you a gift of faith. Uh, and it's important to understand this. And so none of us can boast and take personal pride in this, but rather we have to come humbly before the Lord uh, and thank him for this incredible gift. Now, look also at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So don't go thinking, I've worked this faith up really good. I've polished this faith up really good. Man, don't go down that path. The faith that you have, that God has given you, is a gift. And he has allowed it to grow and prosper by refining it, by putting you through, through things that you never thought you would go through, never thought that you would go through, because you, uh, he has a greater purpose in your life. And so these verses explain the incomparable riches of his grace. What it means to have the grace of Jesus Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. And the means of this is salvation through faith. So God gave you the faith, which then allowed you to reach up to him and accept Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? He gave you the faith. Without giving you the faith, you wouldn't be able to accept Jesus Christ. I mean, what an amazing God it is. So the point of this is to understand that we had nothing to do with our salvation other than recognize that we were miserably lost. Miserably lost. And that recognition really, as we come to it, allows God to dispense the faith and for us to move forward. What, a, what an amazing story. 
that you see that it is by the gift of God alone that this takes place. And so this is the last bastion of pride where we look to ourselves and think that in some way we, we are responsible for where we are. We are special. No, we're not. No, we're not. And that's why when we reach out to a lost world, your heart ought to ache. Because when you think about the margin between you and them, the margin between you and that lost person, let me tell you something. Really understand this. That margin is grace. Other than the grace of Jesus Christ being given to you, you could be there. I mean, that's an important thing of understanding and why we reach out to the lost. Why we reach out to those suffering. Because we want them to recognize how important God is. And so even when you think that a condition is so gone, so far gone, that nothing can help it. Oh, let me tell you something. Yeah, from a human perspective, but not from a God perspective. Not from a God perspective. That can't happen. And so it's important for us to understand this. That's why Jesus could say, believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. And that's why when you pray for something that looks like it's a lost hope, you believe that God will intervene. You believe that God will answer, even though you don't understand the answer that God would give. And what do I mean by that? Well, the most easy way to understand this is you're praying for somebody who's very ill. And you're praying for them to be healed. And so the obvious answer for us is healing. Healing. Lord, please, we ask you, Father, to heal this situation, to come in. And then that person ultimately is not healed. And so you sit there and you think, oh, God didn't hear me. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and God didn't heal me. And I gave you the lesson several weeks ago of Hezekiah. I gave you that lesson. That's something you should always remember. The king who cried because he was told he was going to be taken that night. Oh, God, no, don't take me. Give me, give me more years. And so God changed his mind and gave him 15 more years, which were horrible years. Years that, that Israel suffered and was persecuted, that those people deviated. They eventually went into captivity, uh, and his family was lost and were responsible for this. You want the 15 years, or do you want my will? I think I want your will, you know? I think I want your will. And so when this happens and you pray for this, I want to assure you that if it's a Christian you're praying for and you don't understand why it doesn't seem to be answered, it is being answered. Amen. Some God has some greater, pers greater perspective in that person's life than we understand. There are people around that person who most probably are being brought to the Lord through this person's life and possibly even suffering. I want you to know that. You don't understand it. You can't even see 50 feet ahead of you down the road. And God sees eternity. He sees eternity and knows where, where all the pieces come together for an eternity. You understand this. It, it puts it all together. You recognize why faith is key. Faith is key. We cannot live a triumphant Christian life unless our faith is growing in Jesus Christ. Unless every day of your life you walk with faith and recognize that God is in control. Yes, you're saved. But now being saved is like taking the first step down the hallway of eternity. Now the question is, what are you going to do with that life? 
What are you going to do with the spiritual gifts that God gave you? How are you going to bring other people to Jesus Christ? Is it all about you? No, it's not just about you. It's about your family. It's about your friends. It's about your church. And God wants us to be a beacon to other people. And the only way this can come together is by you saying, Lord, I submit and I have faith. I have faith that what I'm going through is within your will. I have faith that as I pray, you're going to answer my prayers. I have faith that you know me, that you love me. Look, we've studied this. You are created in the image of God. He bankrupted heaven to send Jesus to the earth because he loved you so much that he didn't want you to be lost. You have the faith to understand that. You have the faith that Jesus walked on this world. You have the faith that Jesus went to the Christ and died voluntarily for your sins. You have the faith to know that even though you weren't there, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. You have the faith to know that Jesus sits at the right hand of God. And I want to assure you today, on Palm Sunday, that when you pray, he hears you. He hears you. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the words that you've given us. I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I thank you for faith. I thank you for the grace that you've given us, Lord, to be able to understand the gifts that you've given us. And that without you dispensing faith, we would be lost. Thank you, Father, for loving us, for bankrupting heaven and sending Jesus. Lord, let us be mindful this week as we go through this very serious week and recognize the suffering and sacrifice of Jesus, that our world would never be the same, would never be the same without that enormous gift. Thank you, Father. Bless our people. Bless the service to follow and bring our people back, Father, in two weeks when we resume. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.